welcome to a very exciting episode of startup couches if you are joining us for the first time welcome get comfortable make sure you're relaxed on your couch um and you know enjoy this conversation also join in the founder conversations we have on our twitter at startup couches if you are a return listener thank you so much for being here you already know how it goes on the couch today we have alexander who is the co-founder of powered by people welcome to the couch alexander thank you so much. i'm i'm hedvig and alexander is my surname <laughs> oh my confusing. god okay no hedvig. problem oh no 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 i'm, I'm <laughs> going to switch to that <laughs> so how's your day going so far very well thank you i hope you're having a good day as well yes yes i am i am so jumping right into it what is powered by people and how does it work powered by people is a is a technology platform and marketplace where we connect small brands handmade small batch producers create in the creative sector all over the world um to buy us in the US and and hopefully soon also Europe so really trying to make it as easy to buy from global handmade small batch creative brands anywhere Africa Latin America Asia India as it would be to buy from anybody else Okay. We are business to business, so we are. We don't sell direct to consumer. Well, we sell to boutiques and designers and shops of and 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 retailers of all sizes. Oh wow, that is interesting. Actually, very interesting. Um, especially on the supply side, how do you go about getting a lot of these small businesses and getting inventory of what they sell? and how do we want to sell it because this also involves a lot of um i would say exports right yeah it absolutely does you're so right so we have um me and my my co-founder and our founding partner we had quite a big network i i worked many places in the world before setting up this business so we had quite a big network of of businesses and and small brands anywhere we'd also worked with you know in a similar business previously that was sort of more of a brand uh, direct to consumer and a little bit of wholesale too so we had a, a quite a good sense of the sector we have also set up offices and some of these offices are very small but we have an office in Mexico in Colombia in India in you know in in South Africa and in Kenya I'm speaking to you from Kenya and Turkey so through those five and in North America obviously we have our office in, in Canada we have a few people in the US but from those five regional offices we we cover as much as the world as we possibly can tapping into networks um in the creative handmade industry uh, to the biggest extent uh, we can if any of your listeners have suggestions to brands and producers that we should be talking to please don't hesitate to get in touch yeah yeah definitely i think this is actually such um um a lot of moving parts and yes. i like that um the team comes with a, a network of businesses and like networks that kind of help to make sure that you are actually reaching um almost every part of the world basically and i think that's amazing thank you so um on the on the buyer side on the marketplace side you say um mostly your buyers today are usually in the US i want to know more about this you know customer segment who are they um what are they usually interested in the businesses i mean yeah of course the, the buyers yeah yeah and um, so i would say it's it's retailers from all over the states 
um, I, I think you can sort of put them into two categories. Large specialty retailers, I don't know if, if you might know some of them, Williams-Sonoma, Western, Pottery Barn, World Market, um, the citizenry, people who really value, you know, authentic, handmade, beautifully made, conscious produced products. Um, and these are quite big businesses. They buy from us. They sort of use our website as a catalog and we deal with them um, in that way. And then we have lots of, I would say they're 40% of our sales and the rest 60 is sort of independent specialty stores, independent stores all over America and, and Canada um, that may not be very large, but they are great in the way that they really curate their shops. They really care about where things come from. They appreciate the story. They use that when they sell to their consumers. So they are they, they sort of sell the products in, in a different way. And they can then go on our site and buy from many different producers they normally wouldn't be able to find. With Ease, we offer all the buyers net 60 payment terms. And we offer um, advances on the purchasing orders to the, to the maker because we saw in our previous businesses just how big an issue payment and financing were often particularly big buyers just the way they run their cash flow is that they pay whoever supplied to them 60 days later but of course for many of the businesses in Africa and other places Asia and India they need money up front to be able to start start production so we 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 we, we sort of bridge that gap we also help people with payments so the U.S. buyers can just pay into a U.S. account they don't have to worry about bank charges or uh, you know Kind of cross wire transfers, we, we take care of that whole aspect for them. Oh, wow, that is interesting, very very interesting. So, um, very curiously, I like to know yeah. how Powered by People started. What is the founding story? Can you tell me? Yeah, of course I can. Um, so the, the two main founders um, is Ella Painovich and myself, Hedvig Alexander, and we both had. Um, businesses prior to Powered by People that were brands. Ella had a jewelry brand in Kenya, out of Kenya, called Soko, that was doing jewelry in the slums of, of Nairobi, and she was incredibly successful and built a $6 million business in a matter of five years. I had a similar wow. business, a bit smaller, out of Canada, that was also working with handmade producers all over the world. Um, and we both sort of felt that um, Ella had developed some really interesting technology that sort of helped digitize, you know, we call them makers. Um, and so I really liked her technology that sort of helped makers um, aggregate their production and be more effective. And she'd also dappled with some financial solutions for the makers. And, and I had always missed those things. I had a very big uh, global network, but I had missed those things for my for my makers. So we exited our businesses and, and decided to start Powered by People. And our third uh, founder, um, Alison Phillips, was who's our founding partner. She had worked, she's a designer in Canada, but big background in, in, in design for, for very big successful brands. And so she, she had worked with me in my previous business and she also joined forces with us. Okay. All right. Um, I think that's actually pretty amazing how the team came together. Um, especially also the backgrounds of different founders. I think um, the mix is actually a really, really formidable team, which I really like. Um, so on, on the day-to-day runnings of um, Powered by People, what would you say are some challenges you face today? Oh, so many. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, as, as I'm sure all the other entrepreneurs that has been on your show will agree, it's just 
there are just challenges as long as the day is long if you can say that um you know it's from building your team getting the right people getting them to walk in the right direction to raising the money that necessary for a business managing in and out of you know we have potentially a recession coming what does that really mean for the business making sure your budget is on track you know driving the business forward i mean there's this whole and then of course we have sort of a, our platform that has two uses it has the buyers on the one side making sure that we are always up on what the buyers really need what problem are we really solving for the buyer and how do we do that the best possible way and exactly the same thing on the maker side but i would say overall for the business i do think one of our biggest challenges is logistics um there isn't any particular cost effective solutions to shipping uh you know relatively small orders all over the world i think you know that's really i mean you can say what what is why why what is the real value of a platform and and i think we would answer it is that lots of small businesses thousands of businesses actually get services uh, that they all share you know you know access to buyers marketing help with photography help help for digitization but also help with things like logistics and financing and you sort of weave a set of services into the platform so not every business have to figure this out for themselves but we can offer this to the platform and that's yeah. really what we are trying to do with logistics and i think that is the hardest one to chat to, to to solve you know do you ship with dhl any other courier you know each individual order do you try to figure out how you can aggregate the orders um and maybe invent sort of a, a warehousing and shipping consolidated solution for all your makers so they have the opportunity at a reasonable cost to actually hold inventory both in America and Europe you know there's just so many um things to consider you know in in that particular so i i would say logistics is is the hardest yeah that 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 makes that makes sense that makes sense um but just looking forward though um where do you see powered by people in the next year you know um i i, I think this is a two phase question i want to mm-hmm. understand how far you've grown mm-hmm. if you could look back to when you started um could you tell us how far you've grown today and where you're looking to at the next chapter so the business has existed for a bit longer but our marketplace which is a significant part of the business has been it's almost it will be a year old uh in the end of this month so still relatively new you know we have so far um so marketplaces you 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 measure your revenues in something called GMV gross merchandising value which means that the entire value of all the products you and services you have sold on the website and so yeah. so far in one year we have done 21 million GMVs and that's split between you know sales on the platform of products but also financing so uh we offer this purchase order financing anybody on the site who receives an order but who wants to be paid in advance have access yeah. to this to such and that has the, the financing there's so little available in our space that it has worked extremely well as well and so i think it's 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 it's, it's it has been a successful first year and i think i hope and i feel we are really sort of hitting our stride i hope you know when i hopefully speak to you again here from now i hope that you know we have tripled or quadrupled that number um i hope we have really built a sort of creative global community where people also can kind of help each other inside the community and there's a lot of support 
it's not just about sales, although that's of course sales is the most important, but how can people help each other on design, on photography, on aggregated shipping? How can we facilitate all these services that people all need? Um, and, and, you know, so I think, you know, and, and then I also think of, from a digital point of view, I think one of the big things is that many of these smaller, or larger brands all over the world, um, you know, before COVID, you could sort of sell things without having a perfect website or having great photography. I think COVID have because you could turn up at trade shows. There was lots of, there was still a reasonable amount of physical uh, events that you could participate to if you could get yourself there. And I think COVID has really changed that. Um, and now, you know, you, you don't have a great digital footprint. You don't really exist as a business. And so I think that um, we really can, you know, we can we can really support businesses in in, 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 in looking great online and really linking them up to buyers. So I, I hope that that's what we achieved last year and I also next year. And I think, you know, in terms of digitizing uh, businesses, I think, you know, every, you know, I think, for, look, for example, in Africa, where I'm speaking to you from now, mobile phone penetration is about 80% right, of, the, of, of the continent, which is incredibly impressive. And of, you know, I'm in Nairobi, where you do everything on your phone, from paying your bills to ordering your food. I mean, it's, it's a completely sophisticated, very cosmopolitan way of living in Nairobi. Um, but I think that there is still very few businesses in our space. I wouldn't say very few, but there is still a lot of businesses in our space that don't use digital tools to run their business. They don't yeah. have systems that can help them collect data on how much more do they produce this year than last year? How many returns do they have this year than last year? Businesses are not measuring it themselves because they don't have the tools and the metric to do so. Yeah. And they are challenged on payments, on paying their staff, on you know, you know, quality. And I think the tools that we have inside Power by People to Support Makers, um, which we sort of are turning into an operating system, can really help business. So I also really hope, not just for us, but on behalf of this incredibly large uh, sector of sort of handmade small bag producers, which is 300 million people all over the world, that they will become more digital, that they will have an easier time running their businesses. And of course, we Power by People will benefit from more professional businesses. But I mean, it's also just, I think there's a, a big chunk of our of our makers that live in, in relatively low income communities. So I think we also really want to boost the sector. We really want to see it succeed, you know, given how retail is changing, where, you know, when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, everybody wanted the same. And so you, you that whole Chinese, you know, factory model where you just turn out thousands of the same product that, you know, that worked very well for the last 30 years. And all our buyers are saying that their consumers don't want this anymore. They want more authentic, more individually suited products. And that means that they don't buy as deep, so they don't buy massive quantities, they buy more widely. And yeah. so I think there is a unique opportunity for our sector where, you know, when you do something handmade or very significant part of the process is handmade, you, won't, you can't turn out thousands of baskets or towels or bedding in, in a matter of weeks, um, but you don't have to anymore because even the really big brands will sometimes just buy 300 or something and they'll give you a reasonable amount of time to make that production. So I think there is this sort of unique opportunity for this sector, this sort of creative manufacturing 
handmade small batch to really become a much much uh, more substantial part of mainstream retail and you know it's better for people it's better for the environment i mean you know they don't rely on processes that are particularly industrial so there isn't a lot of risk to the environment. I think the biggest biggest risk is to make sure people are paid well, so it's more on the labor side than human rights side. And yeah, we, we yeah. spend a lot of time thinking about that, and we we are sort of always updating our policies for how we can really make sure there's transparency, sort of between our buyers and our makers. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I think um, Powered by People is on a strong path forward. <laughs> especially with empowering you know the makers right the creative yeah. people a lot of them are living as you've mentioned you know in like low income spaces and everything but like being able to get real good value for what they make being able to get their products out there is super impactful and could begin to change things not just even for them but for like people around them for their families for what the earning potentials mean for them and things like that and i think that's that's really really massive that that's exactly the ambition you know behind uh, what we do yeah yeah so yeah this is this is amazing um my final question for you (laughs) would be what would you say is your biggest lesson so far you know as a founder building a product like this building a marketplace like this what would you say is um the biggest lesson you've learned that you would like to pass on to other founders like yourself today? Oh, I think I've learned so many things. I mean, I really think uh, sort of running a, a venture-backed business where you are expected to scale and grow really fast is, you know, puts an incredible amount of pressure on on the founders and, and the team in general. Um, I think the biggest, so, so, so it's the first time that I'm sort of a, that I'm part of a real venture-backed company. I mean, I've raised money before, but it's been from impact investors and and angel investors who who also want scale, of course. I mean, they, they are very focused on the social impact, not just uh, the, the, the revenue growing aspect of the business. So I, I think that's, you know, uh, uh, there's a very big difference there. And I, I, think, I, I think my biggest lesson is that, you know, if, even really, really big problems. If you, if you sort of learn the discipline of breaking them down and approaching them in bites, um, you can really accomplish incredible things. I think to that end, also, you know, don't try to boil the sea. You know, try to break this problem you have down in small bits and then test. I, I think that's something that the venture sector, venture-backed sector, is extremely good at, particularly digital companies is to test everything so you sort of cook a problem down to it its smallest aspect you know what they call a minimum viable product and what is the smallest way you can test something yeah do that test it see what the tests say and then move forward or abandon it so this idea of being incredibly disciplined and structured about how you move forward how you test things you know being very data driven i've never really been a particular data driven person um yeah, I just have never had to be, and I think also there's more focus on it now, but I, I, I really see now, uh, you know, all your passion and your vision will get even further if you can really be analytical and disciplined and very data-driven about how you push your business forward. And I think for me personally, it might not be my co-founder's biggest lesson, but for me, that would actually definitely be the, the, the biggest lesson and a, and a great 
you know, something that's great for everybody to learn because you can really use it almost no matter what you do. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think this is a really, really strong lesson. And I would like to say thank you so much for, you know, creating the time to come on the couch. This has been really insightful. What do you think? No, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's wonderful what you're doing. Yeah. I look forward yeah. to, to listening to other founders on, on, on the couch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, and if you are listening and, you know, you are really, really interested in vision of bad by people, you are making really cool stuff, you know, um, you know, maybe like decor items, baskets, pillows, wall arts, tables, gift items. Just if you're creative and you're making really, really, um, I would say creative stuff, things that you, you that are handmade, homemade, you would love to sell. Make sure to check out Powered by People today. It's literally poweredbypeople.com. So make sure to check them out. And you know, if you are listening to this episode, you have definitely enjoyed this particular episode with Hedvig. So I'd like to thank you so much for listening so far. And for everyone else, make sure to, you know, stay tuned. We keep bringing you amazing founders just like Hedvig on the couch. So until next time, see ya. Thank you so much.